0: Grizzly star guard John Morant is out two games and likely more for brandishing a gun in an Instagram story posted early Saturday morning. My thoughts on that and the possible state of the team overall. Was North Carolina's tournament fate sealed on Saturday with another loss to hated rival Duke? Do I have to talk about the Boston Bruins yet again? Is Las Vegas on deck for the Oakland A's to make the move to the desert? And is anyone interested in the World Baseball Classic? Derek Carr has found a new home. John Jones is back on the top of the MMA mountain again. But for how long? Time to gear up for another jam-packed, fast-paced sports podcast. It's all coming up. But first, this message. JReels here just passing by to send a brief reminder to please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, the JReels Podcast, on wherever you listen to your podcast. Whether it's on Apple, Google, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Luminary, CastBox, all of the major platforms that are out there. Whichever one that you listen to, once again, just throw me a few stars, write a review. I would greatly appreciate it just to increase the visibility of this podcast with all the others that are out there, especially this one, which covers all sports in roughly one hour. Where else are you going to get that? So if you can go ahead and please do that, I would sincerely and gratefully appreciate it. And with that said, let's get it. The J Reels podcast begins in five, four, three, two, one. Let's get this sports podcast party started, all right? The J Reels Podcast Why don't you wait until July 1st to make an announcement? What a disgrace He can rack up all these numbers in October, November, and December But what really counts is let me see this in January The Sports Rebel without a pause Delivering fast-paced, jam-packed sports talk like no other Listen, I gotta call it as I see it He is not a good player I'm sick and tired of having to deal with the disappointment of this franchise When does it stop? And yes, another winter that I can sleep in peace Coming correct, direct, and in full effect Let's get it. This is the j Reels Podcast. Welcome aboard. What is happening, my good people? Greetings. How are you? How's it going? How's everybody doing out there? What is the latest and greatest? Hope everybody's doing well, feeling fantastic, in excellent spirits, riding high into the first full week of March as I get set to fill you in on all that's happening in the sports world as this is the j Reels Podcast. With your host, Jay Reels. For my first-timers, welcome aboard. And for those who have been banging with me going back to the very beginning, somewhere in the middle, or even as early as this past Thursday, I welcome you guys and gals back. Here we go as we zoom toward the middle of March, getting through this sports dead zone, which actually has had some, it's been a little bit interesting with a lot that has been going on, especially over the last few days, and that's what we're going to cover as we'll kick off with the NBA, and if you're a fan of the Memphis Grizzlies, for the... 16 of you outside of the Tennessee area that follow this team I'm sure you have to be puzzled and maybe even a bit perturbed by what has happened here over the course of the last 48 hours with your star guard and then even the team on a whole and I'll get into that part of it in a moment but I'm going to start off with John Morant because when I read this story and saw the video and the first thing I thought to myself was what is this kid doing I get it that he was in a club somewhere in Denver, as they're in the middle of a road trip, currently in LA, after losing in LA to the Clippers last night, and they'll play the Lakers tomorrow, I believe, but for Morant to just all of a sudden be in a club, who knows if he was smoking, I'm sure that was probably uh, somewhere in the middle of all that, and then with his left hand to put the gun up to the camera for the whole world to see, I understand he's young, I understand he's still pretty much a baby when it comes to his career, we understand how talented and how great of a player that he can be, but this one is an optic unlike anyone, any team, any organization would ever want to see and for that, Morant's going to sit out these next couple of games and maybe more based on the press conference by the coach Taylor Jenkins and I'm going to get to him in a second as well. We know that Marantz know better and people could say, oh, it was a mistake. The kid has been pretty clean and we could give him a pass based on his track record. Now, there was an incident a while back regarding some 17-year-old, which got a little feisty. Then there was a scenario with one of his friends who had to be banned from the arena because of a recent game against the Indiana Pacers where this friend was alleged pointing toward the Pacer bus. Based on, I guess, a little bit of beef that happened throughout the course of the game. And afterwards, where there was a red laser focused toward the Pacer bus as it was leaving the arena. And the report had it that there was a gun that was attached to whatever this red laser was focusing on. And for these recent chain of events, culminated by what happened there in that Instagram video, Even Morant said that he has to take ownership of it and he does full responsibility said all the right things as well as taking some time off to seek some help. A lot of it has to do with some mental health issues. I don't know what it is about carrying a gun and putting it up in front of a phone video camera etc to have everyone see that's one that maybe he was under the influence a little bit that I don't know that is just trying to speculate from afar So again, I'm not accusing him of being drunk or high or anything like that, but who knows? In the middle of a trip, he's in Denver, Colorado, we know that weed is legal there, so who knows? He probably thought after the game, before they fly to LA, what the hell, I'm just going to let loose, let it all hang out, and look what happened. He's going to be out for who knows how long, I'm sure he's probably going to get a week off, despite the fact that these two games he's going to sit out, and... What more can you say for a Grizzly team that has kind of been through it a little bit this year? We understand that they've had a lot of success here over the last couple of years, and they had a little bit of a run last year, that wild opening series against Minnesota in the opening round when they lost to Golden State in the following round and understood that they did not have John Morant. Whether or not Jordan Poole, if you recall, tugged on his knee, and that pretty much changed the whole complexion of that series. But when we look at this team right now the way it is and what has happened pretty much over the last month or so, we can look back at that incident at Staples Center with Shannon Sharp there on the sidelines as he was grilling Dylan Brooks and then Steven Adams coming over. And that was a whole scene. We could also look at this team not really arriving despite the fact that they are a very solid team. They are a threat to maybe get to a conference final and into an NBA final. We know that they have the talent But overall, you got to wonder whether or not this team is starting to unravel here. And now I'm going to get to the coach because Taylor Jenkins, he's not a household name. We understand that you're not going to have a Hall of Fame coach at every destination or every NBA city. But now he really has to look from within and then look at his team to say, hey, let's take a big, deep breath here. We understand what happened there early Saturday morning with John Morant. We're not going to have him. We understand that now there's a bit of a target on our backs based on some of the personalities of the team, a la Dylan Brooks. And knowing that this team, although they've been successful in the regular season now for a year and a half, but this does not mean this team is already built or NBA championship ready. So this is going to be a pivotal moment to their season, not only without their player, and we've seen over the last couple of years that with Morant out of the lineup due to injury, not because of something that was self-induced, but that they've actually performed well above anybody's expectations. I believe their record last year without Morant was 20-5, and and that's unheard of when you lose your franchise player for any significant amount of time to the point where they were actually just as good without him than with him. And now you have a scenario where because he's going to be put on the shelf and with the team starting to, I'm not going to say implode, but this is going to be a true test to see where this is going to lie for the rest of this regular season and into the postseason. Because I'm sure a lot of the players on the team are probably thinking already, we're a two seed, we could possibly be a one seed, we're a team that could be a threat to make it to the NBA Finals. Now, of course, we all know that as of right this moment, They are not going to touch the Denver Nuggets as far as a one-seed goes because they are currently six games in a loss, six and a half back. And the Nuggets are going to cruise to a one-seed and have home court throughout the Western Conference. But at the moment, you would have to think that Memphis with Sacramento, just a game behind them, and the Suns, they're starting to surge here with Kevin Durant back in the lineup, and I'll get to the Suns in a little bit. But this Grizzly team, as good as they are as young as they are as their window starting to open as far as a championship window this could all go flying out the window if it's not corralled here quick fast in a hurry and it starts with the coach he's the guy that's going to lead these men to hopefully a destination that nowhere in Memphis or even in the state of Tennessee has ever seen and that's an NBA final they've been to a conference final in the past as we've seen many moons ago But for this juncture of the season, and for what has transpired here, they're really going to have to look in the mirror as a man to say, we either straighten this up, get our act together, not listen to the press clippings, not listen to any of the outside noise, although it is warranted, but for them to focus in one game, one quarter, one possession at a time. Because I'm sure this team is probably thinking that, yes, we belong, we're one of the upper echelon teams in the... NBA, we're going to be a threat to possibly getting to an NBA final and maybe winning it. They could think that, they could wish that, they could feel it. But we all know in order for them to achieve that, they have to do it. And let's see them from this point on start to do it. And I don't know, obviously I'm not in the locker room. I don't know if there's maybe a bit of dysfunction or there's just too much of a laissez-faire attitude. That I can't say. But Taylor Jenkins, I'm sure when he woke up Saturday morning to that news and having to deal with the magnitude of his star player and having to be out and at the same time getting the locker room together to the point where, hey, this is a team. We understand they're all separate individual entities. They're all going to dance to their own beat. But if we're trying to do big things here, we all must be on the same page. It can't be when we feel like it, it can't be when it's convenient. It can't be just for the hell of it. It has to be all in all the time. And now we're going to get to see whether or not they're going to be all in or it's going to be a fractured mess. So that's number one. So Morant is put on ice understandably and rightfully so. Hopefully he gets the help that he needs. He is a face of this league. I understand he doesn't play in a big time market but John Morant as we all know is a superstar in the making and for... This to be on his, we'll say, personal bio, obviously not a good look, and you only hope it's the last, and definitely not more to come. Before I get to the Suns, I want to talk about the Bucs here. The Bucs had a 16-game winning streak, which was snapped there on Saturday night, thanks to the duo of James Harden and Joel Embiid, both scoring 30 and 10 assists. First time that's happened with teammates on the same team in the same game in the what 43 years 44 years 1979 so for them to have a big game big effort to snap that winning streak and the Sixers who as we all know could be a threat there in the East currently in third place in the conference but last night the Bucks started a new winning streak winning in Washington but Giannis Antetokounmpo who I love and I think he is we all know two-time MVP how could you not like his personality his game etc but for him to miss a shot on purpose to get a rebound so he could get a triple-double, and even he said it afterwards saying that, yes, I kind of stole one. Giannis, come on. That's league. You know better than that. You're not a tenth man that had one of your biggest nights in your career. You're not a guy that is just thirsting for attention in that regard or for numbers. We understand that you could get 38 13 in your sleep and the assists yeah they may not come every so often because he is such a guy that is a focal point especially in the open floor but for him to do that come on that's as bush league as it gets Giannis you know better and even though he may admit it afterwards that stealing a triple double was unlike something that he's done in the past where just his natural talent he could do that on a night in night on basis especially when he's getting assists as he did last night. And all he needed was that last rebound. But seriously, come on Giannis. You're much better than that. You're not a guy that's just toiling at the end of the bench. That you had your unbelievable once in a lifetime evening. Where you stole one a la Ricky Davis. Remember that many years ago. When he did the same thing that Giannis did. Put up a shot. Got a rebound so you get a triple double. Ricky Davis, okay fine. Giannis, inexcusable. And that's not to say that it's okay for Davis to do that. But Giannis knows better and I'm sure that's one that he would like to have back, and who knows, if the Wizards are going to keep that in the back of their minds, if they meet up again down the road, I don't know if they do play again on the schedule, or who knows, maybe if the Wizards somehow, some way make it into the postseason, and get themselves into an 8 seed, that they may go up against the Bucks in an 8-1 an matchup, and maybe get some retribution at that time, so that's what we have there with the Bucks. Just wanted to throw that in the mix. Now, the Suns, they had a big game yesterday against Dallas, and with Kevin Durant back in the mix, 2-0 going into the game yesterday, where you had Kyrie versus KD, not necessarily them going up against one another, but for the first time since the 2018-19 season, that they weren't teammates, and once again, Kevin Durant prevails, gets a late bucket there, as the Suns procure a 130 To 126 victory. And at the very end. You had Luka Doncic going up. Nose to nose to Devin Booker. With a few choice words afterward. And a lot of that stems from. That game 7. In the conference semifinals last year. Where Luka toyed. With the Suns. And if you recall. They got up to a 40 point lead. Chris Paul had one point in the game. It was an embarrassing. Show. In a game 7. On a home court. That anybody has ever seen. And those memories are going to be long. Booker got into the face of Luka and who knows if they're going to be some payback down the road if those teams are going to meet up as of right now it's interesting because the Suns are currently two games behind the Sacramento Kings and as long as these Suns are healthy you would think they'll probably get themselves possibly a three seed maybe even a two seed who knows when it's all said and done considering what we just talked about with Memphis but let's just say if Dallas and they're toiling right now they have not played well they're 3-6 since the trade when Kyrie went over from Brooklyn to Dallas. And if we could somehow, way get a 3-6 matchup, or maybe even a 2-7, it could happen because Dallas is currently in the 7th seed. Now, they'll be a part of the playing tournament, but you would think they will come out of that. But it's quite possible you could see a 2-7 matchup if Phoenix does leapfrog over Sacramento and... Memphis to get themselves at a two, where we may see Dallas and Phoenix in a rematch somewhere down the line in the postseason, which would really be a hotly contested, high energy, and highly scrutinized series between those two teams. But again, we're a long way off. We can't get too ahead of ourselves when it comes to that. But that's something that we'll have to keep in mind. And as I said on a couple of occasions, if Durant's going to be healthy, the Sun's going to be a threat, not just in the Western Conference. But in the whole league, as far as them winning an NBA title. But, and a huge but, as I've said before and one last time, Durant is going to have to play in a majority, if not all, these games in order for them to get to where they want to be, their first ever NBA Finals victory. And as we saw there a couple years ago, they fell short to Milwaukee. And we saw how that unfolded. And then Steph Curry has now returned as he's back with that knee injury that he suffered a few weeks ago, and he played yesterday against the Lakers in a loss without LeBron James, and he's going to be checked in three weeks because of that foot injury that he suffered the week prior, where I believe it's a tendon injury, and that's going to be very testy and tricky to see how he's going to recover from that. So without LeBron, Anthony Davis had a monster game, and Curry, who's just trying to get back into the fold and see if Golden State can keep themselves within distance, Right now, currently fifth in the Western Conference. And when I mean distance, of being four or five, I don't know if they're going to catch Sacramento or even the Memphis Grizzlies. They have too much ground to make up. But if they could stay maybe within four and get home court, possibly against Phoenix, maybe even against Sacramento, that's going to be huge. So we'll keep an eye on what Curry does here down the stretch to see if the Warriors could get themselves on track. And speaking of on track, how about the Knicks? They have been on fire. They have been torrid. They are winners of nine straight, including a double overtime win in Boston last night. And the Celtics are reeling here a little bit as they blew a 28 point lead, the biggest lead of the season, which was upstaged by Dallas last Sunday, if you recall. The Lakers had a 27 point lead, and then LeBron was out, and then they came all the way back to win that game. Well, Celtics said, Hold my beer, as they had the Nets not only on the ropes, but pretty much dead in the water. And then Michael Bridges resuscitated them 38 points as the Nets came storming back to win that game on Friday night. And then last night without Jalen Brunson in the lineup, Emmanuel quickly put on, I guess his cape and played Jalen Brunson to the tune of 38 points, double overtime as the Knicks prevail and currently are two games behind, or excuse me, one game behind the Cavaliers. And we talked about this last week about them wanting to get that four seed so they could have the home court in that first round. But nine in a row, and you would think even at nine in a row, they would have made up a ton of ground, but they have not. But give it up for what the Knicks have done here. Just a stupendous job to get themselves ahead of that 7-10 playing tournament scenario. They do not want to flirt with that or be anywhere in the vicinity of that. And currently, they are four and a half games ahead, so you would think that they should be in good shape and make the tournament without having to deal with that playing scenario, So, give it up for what the Knicks have done. Tom Thibodeau, Julius Randle, just a stupendous performance there last night, even if it took two extra frames in order to win. And that's three straight wins, because remember, early in the week, they beat the Knicks in the Garden here in New York, and they won the last three games against the Celtics. And that would be fascinating when you think about it, because let's just say, now granted, even if the Celtics were to grab a one seed, and if the Knicks stay 4-5, and currently the Celtics are two games in a loss and a game and a half back. Celtics and Knicks would meet up in a second round if the Celtics were to get the one seed and the Knicks stay in the 4-5 scenario. Now, of course, they'd have to win that series, which right now would be against Cleveland. And away we go. But one more time, we still have plenty of basketball to be played. So we can't really zero in and focus on any playoff matchups as we still have a month to go in the season. Besides that, that's what we have there in the association. So now let's pivot as I keep my high tops on and go to the college circuit where now we're into conference championship week. It has arrived. A lot of the tournaments will begin tomorrow, especially Wednesday, as will lead us into the weekend to see how this is all going to shake down for the final 68 teams, which a week from now we'll be able to dissect, dive into to see where we will end up here at the end of March into April as to who will be in the Final Four and who may be cutting down the nets. And one of those teams that was this close last year from cutting down the nets that made it all the way to the national championship game, the North Carolina Tar Heels. Well, as of this very moment, it looks like they're going to be on the outside looking in. Unless they run the table in the ACC tournament this week. They lose to Duke there on Saturday night in their building. We already know that this team was on the bubble. We already know that this team was a preseason number one consensus overall in the nation. And right now, they are on the outside looking in. That even if they were to go to the ACC tournament and lose, they're not going to make the tournament. At least not in my eyes. And not that I've watched every second of North Carolina basketball, but how could you give this team, who is currently 19-12, and 12, that even if they win a couple of games and go, what, 21-13? and 13? And who knows? I'm sure the committee going to look at it and find every little inkling when they break down their little stat sheet when it comes to who they beat as far as the teams in the conference, overall, power rankings, you name it, you know, quad ones and all these different quads that have now come out over the last couple of years that they may find their way in. But I think it would be a disgrace if they do because what have they shown you this year that they are deserving to be a tournament team? And it's not as if they don't have players. It's not as if these guys jumped ship to the NBA and they were left bereft in the cabinet as far as talent goes. Because we know the talented players are on the team. They had the backcourt that's been big, especially when you look at their run last year. Armando Baycott, we all know that he's been a force there up front. But this team has not been able to put it together. And who knows, maybe they just thought that they could just go out on the court, lace up their shoes and away they go. That they were going to be, I don't know, 28-5. and And they were going to be a two seed somewhere in some region. That's not the case. And I'm sure that Coach Hubert Davis is telling his guys, we need to run the table here. And what I mean run the table, if we have any shot to not only get into the tournament, but if we're going to do some damage, we're going to have to play every game as if it's a, I was going to say game seven, as if it's a national championship game. It begins right now. And I don't know if North Carolina is going to pull the rabbit out of their hat here in this ACC tournament to get to that conference tournament final and then let's say win it and if they do they're going to be in no ifs ands buts babies about it but anything short of that I don't think they're going to go in and that's going to be an interesting storyline heading into selection Sunday and coming out of that to see whether or not North Carolina now if they lose in the first or second round forget it and there's no way that they're going to make the tournament but if they get to that conference final will the committee think long and hard "Mm, should we put them in I understand they may not be deserving but they're North Carolina. Who knows? It's quite possible that it could break down that way. But we shall see as we get into this week. And then yesterday, you had a little bit of a scare for the number one team in the nation with the Houston Cougars. Now granted that they got the buzzer beater at the end, but the game was tied. It wasn't as if Memphis was up by one or two where they got that clutch buzzer beater to where Houston won 67-65. So the game would have gone into overtime and who knows how it would have played out. We understand The game was in Memphis. We understand that the home team using that scenario has the advantage and Houston or a team like Houston usually just, I'm not going to say mail it in, but because of the crowd and the buzz and excitement in the building, knowing that they want to upset the number one team in the country, they were unable to do so. So they dodged a bullet there, the Cougars, and as they go into this week, chances are they're going to be the number one team overall in this tournament, barring a huge letdown here throughout the course of this week. But as I see it right now, with the way it's going to unfold, now I think Purdue could be one of those teams that make it in one of the four brackets as a number one overall. But I would think based on consistency and the way they played this year, it's going to be Houston, it's going to be Alabama, Kansas, and to me it's going to be a coin flip between UCLA and Purdue who gets that one seed. And I understand how they perform this week is going to be enormous. Because if any one of these teams go out in the first round, I would think other than Houston and Alabama and maybe Kansas, I think they'll be fine for one seeds. It's that fourth one seed as to who's going to get that at the end of the week. I would probably say Purdue only because they've had some bad losses, understood, but with the big man there, Zach Ivy, and he's a threat that a lot of people do not have. And I understand the game isn't what it was 30, 40 years ago when you had a big man in the middle who's just going to wreck havoc and just throw the ball down low and let him do his thing. We get it. College basketball, just like the pros, not the same game. But we know with that size and with that ability and Purdue, I'm not going to say right this second they're deserving for number one, but would you be surprised come Sunday night at 8 o'clock that they're not a number one seed In one of these brackets, when you're starting to fill those out come late Sunday night, I can't say it'd be a surprise. Absolutely not. So we're going to go full bore. And I understand when we reconnect on Thursday, a lot of these tournaments, they're going to be right smack in the middle. So unless you get a major upset, unless we get some unforeseen circumstances, then we can really go in on what's going to happen there. But we will certainly monitor what's going to happen here over the course of the next few days. And at that time, see where we lay across the college basketball land as to what is happening in the early stages of March Madness now that we're into the month. But we're now just eight days away from the tournament beginning and in earnest, 10 days from today, from the whole slate, from 12 noon to past midnight, both Thursday and Friday, leading into that first March Madness weekend. And now as I lace up my skates to go through the National Hockey League People, I don't know what else to say. I'm almost at a loss for words when it comes to this Bruin team. I know that it seems every episode over the last three and a half months, I've been talking about how much of a juggernaut that the Boston Bruins have been. And I don't know what else to say. Just get us to the middle of April and let's start the playoffs because there's nothing more that needs to be said about what this team has done here throughout the course of what has it been? 60 games? They're currently on a 10 game winning streak. Their goaltender who scored a goal in the game last week is 32-4-1, Linus Olmark. One more time. 32-4-1. Just give him the Vezina Trophy for top goalie in the sport. So let's start there. They have 20 more games to go. They are currently 49-8-5. They have 103 points. And the trade deadline, which came and went on Friday, they also brought in another player from the Red Wings and a one Tyler Bertuzzi to an already loaded team in which they brought in the two guys from the Capitals there and Hathaway and Orlov there earlier in the week. And that goes along with the Charlie McElvoys, with the Patrice Bergerons, the David Krejci's, the David Pasternak's. I mean, this team is as loaded as it could possibly be. And all I could say is, and the team has come out and said this as well recently, it says it doesn't matter about this winning streak, yes, we've been on such a roll, it's been such an unbelievable year, but it's all about the Stanley Cup, they're saying. And as we know, and as we've seen, and as I've talked about, just because they have the best record in the sport, just because they may shatter records overall when it's all said and done as far as wins in a season or point totals in a season, We've seen meltdowns in the past a la the Tampa Bay Lightning 2018-19 as I've said before and hopefully I'll say this for the last time but again I have to acknowledge that this team has just been running rampant throughout the league whether it's at home on the road they had a three-game losing streak a couple years ago and it was almost as if for them that the sky was falling and what happened after that they just reeled off 10 in a row including the Rangers there on Saturday. Where Patrick Kane has done nothing in the two games. I understand you got to give him some time. But the Bruins, I have to start off with them because they've just been unstoppable. And I don't know of any more superlatives to say throughout the course of this regular season to just continue to throw bouquets at their feet because I've run out of them. And I'm sure you guys and gals are sick when I talk about the NHL that I seem to always start off with the Bruins. But when you have won the way they've won this year and what they're doing is historic and we understand all that's going to matter is what's going to happen in April, May and June just like the Lightning a few years ago or even with the LA Dodgers winning 111 games last year where we thought oh, is it a shoe in for them to make it to the World Series and what happens? They got bounced in the Divisional Series to San Diego a team that was a wild card and they've owned the Padres over the years So we understand this is the beauty of sports. We could see the highest of highs here in the regular season, and that's why I don't get geeked up with regular seasons. And just to pivot real quick, when the Mets won 101 games, and you know I ranted at the end of that year. If you haven't, you want to go back to listen to those couple of podcasts when they got swept in Atlanta and blew the division and then lost to San Diego the following weekend. You knew that I went in on that team. I never got high and mighty with the Mets season throughout the entire year. I never said, oh, hey, hey. Now, I did say that with the way their season is going, it's World Series a bust and it was a complete bust at that. But this is why I don't get pumped up on regular seasons. I never do. And it's not because I'm jaded or cynical. It's because no one's going to win a trophy, especially if you're in the Boston Bruins 62 games in for winning 49 of them and having 103 points at this point in the season. No one. Yes, they're going to get some accolades. Yes, they're going to get some praise. Yes, they're going to get all that. But... What does it win you? Absolutely nothing. Zero. Zilch. But I have to stress once again with how they played, how they performed, and the reinforcements that they brought to this team over the last couple of weeks. It's almost as if this team is destined to win a Stanley Cup. And if they don't, it is going to be not a minor. It is not even going to be a major. It is going to be a colossal disappointment. It is. Let's call it as we see it. Because there is no way that you have a season like this for them to go up in smoke at any point. And you can lose a game seven in a conference final in your building in 14 overtimes. I don't care. You lose that game, it's awful. It's a terrible season based on what they've been doing to this point. So that's all I got to say with the Bruins. Hopefully I won't say any more, any less, unless by, I won't even go Thursday because I don't know how many games they have between now and Thursday. But let's say a week from today, if they're on a 14-game winning streak, I guess I have to bring it up. Or if they lose the next four, I have to bring it up. But if they go 2-2, two and 3-1, two, and one, whatever, I won't bring it up. But that's just how they performed here, and there isn't anything else more that I could say about what they've done here to this point. And the trade deadline on Friday kind of came and went, yes, you had some minor deals. I know the Minnesota Wild made a couple of moves bringing in the defenseman from, uh, I believe, San Jose. Oh, maybe Anaheim, excuse me. I'm thinking of now Timo Meyer, because now I was focused in on the Devils. That was going to be my next thing, but I had to talk about the deadline. You did have some moves, nothing major. All the major moves were made pretty much from the time of the All-Star game with Bo Horvat up until the beginning of last week. You had your major trades that had taken place and all the transactions and player movement. And then Friday, you just had a smattering of, I would say, good moves, teams that were going to make a last push to bring in some experience, to bring in an extra body, and that was pretty much it. So I'm not going to say it went out with a whimper, but it certainly didn't go out like a bang the way it did the two or three weeks prior to that. And now that the dust has settled and everything is pretty much calmed from the trade deadline storm, Timo Meyer did get his first goal there as they beat the Coyotes, and as we've talked about, between the Hurricanes and Devils, that's going to be a fight to the finish. Both of those teams are separated by two points, although the Hurricanes do have a game in hand. So that's something that we're going to have to see as far as that race goes because you want to get the top spot, especially when we're talking about home ice. Now we know that the Bruins are going to have home ice throughout the East. That goes without saying. But if you want to be able to have that first or second round, you want to be able to get that one seed so at least you can have those first two series in your building. And then when we take a look out west, or before we even get to look out west, I want to look at the expansive standings here pretty much the same especially with the wild card with the Islanders and Penguins we know the Capitals with some of the deals that they've made now mind you you have four teams with 68 points that's the Sabres who have actually played pretty well as well as Ottawa and give it up for them they've been sneaky here winning five in a row so they put themselves within arm's length of the wild card spots Islanders at 72 Penguins 71 and then you have those four teams at 68 Buffalo Ottawa Florida and Washington And then the Capitals are going to play the Islanders on Saturday, which I'm actually going to go to. So that's going to be an important game for both of those teams to see where they're going to position themselves here in this wild card race. So I'll keep an eye on that. But for the rest of the conference, we know about Toronto and Tampa, and they've hit the skids here, uh, Tampa that is, loses a five in a row. Even John Cooper, the coach, in a loss to Buffalo the other day, benched third period Steven Stamkos Nikita Kucherov and Braden Point to send a message to the rest of the team hey we're slacking here we're not playing well as I mentioned in the midst of a five game losing streak and we all know come playoff time with their three straight cup appearances and with Toronto five points ahead of them and it looks like they're going to be on another collision course for a first round series that we saw last year we know how that ended but Tampa going through it a bit here in this late season swoon And then out west, we have the Stars, Wild, and Avalanche all separated with a little bit of a break. It was actually closer a week ago, but you have the Stars three points ahead of the Wild, where the Wild are four points ahead of the Avalanche, and they've lost four in a row, where the Wild, even with those trades, have done well, winners of four in a row, and Dallas bringing in Max Domi from Chicago, which is a good addition there, and they've won three in a row since around the trade deadline. And then out west, you have the Golden Knights and the Kings battling it out, as well as the Kraken, all separated by four points, two points in between the Knights, Kings, Kings and Kraken, with Edmonton and Winnipeg securing those wildcard spots as of now, separated by two points. And then the only threats that you have there, Nashville, five points behind Winnipeg, And then Calgary one point behind Nashville and seven points behind Winnipeg. Other than that, the rest of the conference is pretty much in the toilet. So you're not going to have a big race out West when it comes to the wild card where the East can be that with all those teams muddled at 68, separated by the Islanders and Penguins there, three and four points ahead of them. That's what you have there with the NHL when we take the 30,000 foot view from that point on. And with a lot of the teams there in the NHL, You have about 18 games for some, actually 21 for others, because when we look at it here, both the Panthers and Capitals have played 64 games, so there's your 18 balance remaining there. And then the Sabres, who have played 61 games, they still have 21 games to go. So there is a bit of a disparity between teams as far as games played, so that's something that we'll have to pay attention to as we get to the final quarter of this NHL season. And now let me turn to baseball here as I lace up the cleats, get the batting gloves on, strap those in before we get to a couple other things and then sign off. Baseball, should I start off with this? I guess I will. No, let me go with the Oakland A's first. Now we know the A's have been a disaster, more so in the last year. They've been competitive the prior couple of years, whether they've kept themselves in pennant races, they've also made it into the postseason. Haven't done a lot as we've seen, where I believe off the top of my head they lost to the White Sox in two games, and then the 2021 year, oh no, the year before that they lost to Tampa in a wild card, and then the Yankees lost in a wild card scenario, so in recent vintage, they have had success and they have made it to the postseason, but now they've really hit hard times, we all know that they're not going to get a stadium done out in the Bay Area for the Oakland A team and as we've seen here over the last couple of years whether it was the Warriors going across the Bay Bridge to San Francisco in the Chase Center or the Raiders going to Nevada to Las Vegas to be the Las Vegas Raiders now it looks like the baseball team could be also going to Vegas as there's some rumblings of Vegas wanting to pluck the A's from Oakland sometime in the not too distant future and you know what it should happen now they're going to have to build a retractable roof as we know the summers in Vegas although very dry but they get to about 110 degrees especially if they're going to be day games so they're going to look for a retractable roof at night it does cool off but you're still going to have I'm sure 80 to 90 degree evenings there in the middle of summer even if it is dry heat and no humidity but Now could be the time where Vegas is going to start moving and shaking to get some buzz and some attention to that city, knowing that they already have a hockey team that's been there for a few years, with the football team that's been there a couple of years, and I can't really gauge whether or not that they've been embraced by the locals there in Vegas. I'm sure a lot of them are out-of-towners. I'm sure a lot of those get the tickets from casinos and sponsors and corporations things of that nature but now the baseball team could be heading there and I'll have to say this it's sad it's awful because Oakland and the fabric losing the football team and now losing the baseball team and I get the basketball team too to a certain degree we can't discount that but we know the A's and the 70s and even in the late 80s early 90s and what they've done there and although they have not had a lot of success from that time, you want to say the early 2000s with Jason Giambi and Miguel Tejada as they made it to the playoffs, but had zero success, blown a lot of elimination games where they had two 0-series leads and just spit the bit, whether it was to the Yankees in 0-1 and had a game five in their building where they had to win a game four in Yankee Stadium in 2000, and then they gave up six runs in the first inning thanks to Gil Heredia, if you remember that. So a bunch of these games and a bunch of these opportunities 2-0 to the Red Sox in 2002 and I believe in 2003 maybe not 2 I know 3 where the Red Sox had that advantage or the A's had that advantage and the Red Sox came back and won but for Vegas and this is going to happen anytime soon but let's get the ball rolling Oakland's not going to support that team that city that area it is just going to be full of tumbleweeds and there's going to be no groundswell to keep them there because of the other two teams that have departed so let's just get this started and I don't want to see that happen I really don't but when you're looking at scenarios whether it's in Oakland towards a certain extent even in Tampa as they need a new stadium in the worst way and there could be some relocation there in that regard Miami thankfully they have a stadium but we all know they can't draw flies down there who knows if there's going to be a day or time somewhere down the road where they may have to go elsewhere and uproot to another city, maybe even Montreal. You have heard a little bit of maybe the Carolinas, maybe even Nashville. So there are some other destinations that teams are looking to see if they could bring in a Major League Baseball franchise. But I bring up Oakland because this is what I read here over the weekend. And let's get to it. Oakland, as we all know, it's just a wasteland out there when it comes to sports. And might as well just take the baseball team with them because they're not going to do anything to keep them in Oakland or by the Bay based on their track record recently. And even with the deep history that they have with the baseball team, going back to the 3 P teams of the 70s, Charlie Finley, Reggie Jackson, Joe Rudy, Vida Blue, and then even the Jose Canseco, Mark McGuire, Tony La led Dennis Eckersley teams of the 80s. Uh-uh. Not going to happen, might as well move on, and away we go there as far as that scenario with the Oakland A's. As far as the World Baseball Classic, that is going to start on Wednesday, and you're going to have teams playing in various parts, Arizona, Florida, they're also going to play in Japan, and with the tournament starting on Wednesday, the only thing I'm going to say here is, I may follow it a little bit. I'm not going to look and see what times these games are going to be played. I'm sure the games in Japan are going to be played first thing in the morning. So when you wake up and have your donut or your while having your oatmeal with blueberries and almond milk or a tofu scramble or maybe even a chai latte, if you're going to be up in Adam that early to watch those games, I know this guy isn't. But I will say this I know that just taking a peek. At what to possibly expect here. Now we know US is defending their previous title going back to 2017. But it looks like the favorites here in this order are going to be Dominican Republic. As their lineup is just stacked. And they're going to have Sandy Alcantara pitching on top of that. To go along with some of their other... Keep... I mean the lineup is just ridiculous. I mean it is literally an all-star team. And as we all know that is a region where they're just growing on trees. The baseball talent there in DR... But with them, U.S. followed by Venezuela. Maybe even Japan, I think, would be third based on what I saw. Venezuela and then Puerto Rico. Those are going to be the top five teams that we're going to have to take a look at here. And as we saw there in the championship scenario in, what was it, six years ago, where it was PR playing against U.S. and U.S. was able to prevail, I would love to see a Dominican-U.S. final and I will say this, if that's going to be the final there on March 21st, which is going to be, what, a week from, or two weeks from tomorrow, I will watch that. And I'm sure that game's going to be 9 o'clock. I believe those games start at 9. And the semifinals are taking place on the 19th, that Sunday. And then you have the final there that Tuesday. I will watch that game. Because that is going to be a spectacle, considering where it's going to be played, down there in Lone Depot Park in Miami. You're going to have the influx of the Caribbean, whether it is going to be the Cubans. I'm sure you're going to have quite a few Dominicans that are going to be there to watch that game if it does happen to turn out that way. And that is one that I will definitely watch. Not to say that if it was Japan and Dominican Republic or USAPR or whatever, but just to see those two squads go at it. And remember, Dominican Republic won in 2013. Because Japan won the first two, I believe, in 06 and 09. Before DR won in San Francisco uh, 10 years ago. And then you had the scenario where the USA team won in 2017. So we shall see how that's going to shake down. I don't know who's interested in that. Like I said, I'm not going to follow pitch by pitch or game by game. But as we get deeper and if the storylines continue to build, I will definitely follow it and keep an eye on it. And if it does happen to culminate in a Dominican Republic... U.S. final, I'll be all over that. So that's what we have with the baseball. Other than that, nothing else to really discuss or get into there. Oh, there are a couple other things that I think about it. Bryce Harper reporting to camp there on Wednesday. Remember, he's recovering from the Tommy John surgery that he had. So he was excused. He will be in camp there on Wednesday. Chances are you're probably not going to see him until maybe June, if I have to say May at the earliest. So we'll see. I'm sure there'll be a press conference with Harper to see how his recovery is going along and what the prognosis is going to be so I'll be in tune to that and then we talked about this weeks ago with Mike Clevenger how chances are he was going to likely face some sort of discipline by Major League Baseball based on these alleged reports about how he was physically abusing and even verbally abusing his own family that's his wife, his two moms his in-law and his actual mom and his kids but based on what they found that they are not going to discipline Clevenger by any stretch of the imagination at this point who knows what else is going to be uncovered in the days and weeks to come but as of right now Clevenger is just going to skate by the hairs of his chinny chin chin so Clevenger I'm sure is in camp remember he got traded in the offseason I want to say to the Brewers this is how much I forgot about Clevenger as far as where his playing team or where he's come about here over the last few weeks But Clevenger is a guy that is now going to be all about getting himself back in gear, putting this aside, and picking up where he left off there as a member previously of San Diego, and now a member, as I look this up, Uh, the White Sox, yes, not the Brewers. I had the Brewers in the brain for whatever the reason. We know he was a Cleveland Indian at the time, went to San Diego, and then... Now, San Diego to the Chicago White Sox. Milwaukee Brewers, he is not, so that is my error there. My apologies. Two quickies here NFL, Derek Carr has found a home. He's going to go to New Orleans to be a member of the Saints. He is an upgrade, better than Andy Dalton, better than Jameis Winston. Carr, as we've talked about time after time, he's a guy that has played well and is a competent quarterback, but is he a guy that's going to get you to the promised land? You need to have all the pieces in place. And think about it. He had good pieces in L. I was going to say L.A. In Las Vegas. LV. Where he had a good running back in Josh Jacobs. Where he had a good tight end. Although it was out for most of the year. And Darren Waller had Devontae Adams. His former college roommate. And that led to them not making the postseason. So even with the scenario regarding the Saints. They're not going to have Michael Thomas. I believe he's going to be cut in the days to come. As we're just what? About nine days away from the start of the NFL season where free agency will open and there'll be a frenzy from that point on and I'm sure you're going to hear a day or two before that where you're going to get a run of free agents and where they're going to go before the free agent period begins. So we're going to have that to look forward to and that to pay attention. But Derek Carr is your first guy that is off the list. He's going to be a member of the Saints and... Again, he is an upgrade, but not a guy that is going to really improve the chances of the Saints, even in the division, when we think about it, because the Panthers, they're going to be looking for a quarterback, and even though they had a very good second half of the year, although they did not make it to the postseason, but we do have to wait and see how the Panthers are going to go about getting a quarterback on their team with a new coach. The Buccaneers, we know they're going to be floundering. Obviously, Tom Brady is gone. The whole mystique and the aura of the Buccaneers is going to go south, just like the division that they play in. But with them, and then the Falcons, who cut Mariota last week, and they're also going to be looking for a quarterback. Who knows? You may have a scenario when it's all said and done that the NFC South could be a division leader at 7-10 and 10 or 8-9. and nine. Just like we saw last year with the Buccaneers who are 8-9. So Derek Carr right this very second is the best of a bad lot there in the NFC South. So right there and then you'd have to put them as the favorites to win the division. Which is not saying much but Derek Carr, there he is. There in New Orleans at least for this upcoming year. The terms of the contract have not been disclosed. And you also have the former Panther owner... Jerry Richardson passed away at the age of 86 and I get it that there's not many tears that are going to be shed by some faction and I understand the passing of somebody even with the track record remember he had to sell the team based on some reports of not only racism but also inappropriate behavior in the organization where Richardson had to put his team up for sale. Thoughts, prayers, and condolences go out to the Richardson family, 86 years of age, I just had to bring it up here, and as we all know, again, didn't make it to a Super Bowl, brought football to Carolina, had success there in that second season where they went to an NFC Championship, we all know about the Super Bowl that they went to in 2002, that season, where they lost to the Patriots in a very exciting game, exciting second half, and... Of course, the end of his tenure is marred by the events that had taken place there within the organization, and Richardson, again, transitions at the age of 86. Besides that, I could go through some cuts, I could go through some players that have been moved pretty much off the roster, whether you're Eric Hendricks from the Vikings, and Leonard Floyd looks like he's also going to be released if he's not going to be traded, as he's due a big signing bonus here in the coming days. So, that's what we have here with the NFL. We're going to get to that free agent period in the next 9 or 10 days or so. Obviously, I'll be all over that as the NFL now is going to raise their curtain and the 24-hour news cycle that is the NFL now is going to be a buzz, as we know. The Shield, Impenetrable, etc. is going to take over the sports world here over the course of the next couple of weeks. And then lastly, we had a... MMA bout UFC on Saturday night between John Jones and Cyril. I say Gagne because he is from France. I know people are going to say Gagne. People are going to say Gain when you look at it and you're going to read it the way it's spelled. But I'm going to say Gagne because obviously he's from France and these two were in the center of the octagon there on Saturday. We know the back of John Jones's I'm not going to say UFC card if there is such a thing, but the back of his resume shows that A, he is a legend in the sport, A, he belongs on Mount Rushmore, but B, and this is a big one, he does have a lot of baggage. With everything that's happened outside of the octagon, whether it's with disputes, with the law, on top of performance enhancing drugs, he can't seem to get out of his own way. We all know the type of fighter he's been, throughout the course of his career and Saturday night rang the bell and in the first round two plus minutes in Gagne went by submission and John Jones is now once again your heavyweight champ in UFC there's no disputing how big of a figure he is in the sport there's no disputing that the guy is a legend listen I don't follow MMA the way other people do and I don't watch the bouts the way other people do I get it, this has been more of a sport that has really taken off here over the last, I would say, off the top of my head, six, eight years, it's been around a little bit longer than that, but it has really become popular over the last decade, there's no disputing it, but for someone who is slowly but surely getting into it, remember, I was a huge boxing fan growing up, and the sport, I understand, has its personalities, and it is pretty much on life support if you ask me but we know that MMA has pretty much superseded that. I know more people are going to plunk down whatever it is, 49.95 or 69.95 to watch an MMA bout than to watch Terence Crawford go up against Errol Spence Jr. Unless you're the dying wall boxing fan that has to absolutely see it. But even with all that being said, and knowing that Jones is this legendary figure, my question is is that yes, he's back. But is he here to stay? Is he going to be around? Is he going to get out of his own way? Is he going to have some length here to the point where he could really stamp his place in this sport forever? And I understand he already has done so. But I'm talking about from legendary figure to immortal. Is he an immortal fighter right this second? And I get it that the MMA fan could bark at me and say, absolutely he is. Look what he's done in the ring look at everything that he's done inside that octagon and I understand you got to include the stuff that's outside of it because let's just say for argument's sake that if he was clean throughout and did not have any of these run-ins with the police or had PED issues or anything to that ilk this guy would literally be not only just the pinnacle of his sport but you'd have to say fighting overall maybe even boxing As crazy as that is to say. But we got to give him the benefit of the doubt. This is a guy that has been just not only otherworldly. But he's a guy that has certainly made his mark in the sport. To the point where he's 27 and 1. And won no contest. And when you're that and he could have been a lot more. Where he probably could have already been an immortal fighter to me, in my eyes, there's still a little bit more work to be done. And that's not to say that he can't fight or it's not to say he can't do it. But all the stuff outside of the octagon has damaged what would have been an immortal career just legendary. And that is my point. And that by any way, shape, or form is not a knock. That's just a fact. You can take any of these players in any sport. And I'll give you a great example. Let's look at Kawhi Leonard. Yes, we know he's a two-time... NBA champ two-time finals MVP hasn't won a regular season MVP but we understand in the NBA it is different because it's all based on the postseason and yes he's had those two pieces of hardware really four with the titles and the MVPs but if he would have played more consistently if he would be more as far as I get it coming out of an ACL injury, but if he were to play more consistently to the point where he's always at the top of the MVP regular season food chain. And yes, we can look at him as maybe not a legendary player, but he would be more legendary if he played more often. And he's going to be a Hall of Famer. We understand that. And that's how he's going to get immortalized. But part of being great and being an immortal or being that type of player is that you play all the time, Of course, injury is going to play a part of that, but you play consistently and a lot and that you achieve the ultimate success. And when you look at Kawhi Leonard's career, you can't say that. Yes, you could say that he's a champion. Yes, you could say he's a finals MVP, but he's not going to rank among the top upper echelon, let's say top 20 of all time, based on him not playing that much. And with John Jones, yes, he has performed at a high level and he's shown and proved that. But to be legendary, to go immortal... Two different levels. And that's what I'm talking about. So let's see if he can keep his nose clean, stay out of his own way, get a lot of bouts under his belt. I don't know what other competition could try to steal the belt from him. Looks like there's probably a short list of that, but he's got to stay clean. He's got to keep his nose clean. He's got to stay out of trouble. And let's hope he does so, so we can see more of his greatness, so it can lead him to that immortal mantle and career. That'll do it, my good people. Another episode in the books. Thank you so much for those, whether it's your first time, 10th time, 100th, or you've been with me from the beginning. Your participation is never taken for granted. Thank you for stopping by. Thank you for all you've done to be a part of this podcast. And if you haven't done so, like I mentioned at the top, please subscribe, rate, review, throw me a few stars, write a review. I'd greatly appreciate it. Also, if you want to hit me up on any of my social media accounts, you could do so with the following on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, the J Reels podcast. Check out my YouTube channels. I'm posting videos by the day, depending on the sports day. I n- understand sometimes it gets a little quiet, and I'm just not going to manufacture something off the top of my head, although I may do so depending. But at YouTube, it's just at JReels, not the J Reels Podcast, at JReels there. On Twitter, JReels1, just the number. And if you want to hit me up with a question, comment, or suggestion, you could do so at the J Reels podcast at gmail.com. I'll be more than happy to follow up. And in closing, if you want to contribute to this endeavor, you could do so by going to my Patreon page, P as in Paul, A-T as in Tom, R-E-O-N is in Nancy.com slash the J Reels Podcast. Whatever you want to put forth, we'll go 100% to this production, the upkeep of the website, the equipment, anything and everything to make this experience into your earbuds or speakers that much more pleasurable, enjoyable, entertaining, as well as informative and credible, because whether you do or do not know people, this is what I love to talk about. It's in the blood, it's in the DNA, as I like to say, and I'm not going anywhere as I'm here to stay. I know my rhyme skills are pretty weak, but with that aside, this is what I love to do, people. I love to talk sports. Going back since I was a little boy, maybe even before that, in the mom's womb. I understand it's a little bit too much information for you, but you get the point. Because I love to critique, analyze, praise with my thoughts, opinions, opinions. Analysis with fire, passion, energy, fury on anything and everything that happens on the world of the diamond, ice, gridiron, hardwood, golf course, racetrack, tennis court, boxing ring, octagon you name it. From my lips to your ears, from my heart to your soul, from where I am to wherever you are, the J Reels podcast always comes correct, direct, and in full effect. From the South Bronx to Southeast to South Central to South Pacific and all points beyond, peace, love, and God bless everybody. And until next time on the J Reels podcast. On the flip, baby.